Good morning, everyone. Feels like it's been a long time since I've said good morning to this lovely group of people. I am so delighted to be with you this morning. Those of you who don't know me, um, because I know there have been new people coming since I left, I was a pastor on staff here at North Shore Alliance for 13 years, and it was such a tremendous privilege. And what makes today so special for me is that in my new role, I have the opportunity to name and bless Pastor Jeremy as a pastor here to a people that I have loved and continue to love. And before I get into a few of the comments I'm going to make this morning, I just want to say uh, on a personal note to Liesl and to Jeremy, these two have been so kind to my wife and, and to me in terms of making us continue to feel welcome here. It's not very often that a pastor leaves the church but continues to attend without it being tense or awkward. And Jeremy has been so kind in making a place for me so that we can continue to call this place home. So thank you. Jeremy, we all know that you stepped into your formal role as lead pastor back in December. And so in one sense, today isn't about welcoming you. You've already been here and you've been doing the job. But today, in a formal way, we recognize that a change in leadership has taken place. A change that God brought about. A change that God intends for all of our good. And so I'm grateful to be here on behalf of the district and to simply mark this moment. We bless and affirm what God has done in the past here at North Shore Alliance, but we don't cling to the past. We cling to Christ, trusting that he and he alone is going to lead North Shore Alliance into the future that he intends. Now, as I have been attending on and off over the last few months, some of you have been asking me, how things are going in my new role. So I'm just going to take 15 seconds and tell you what I'm doing. I left this role as pastor at North Shore Alliance. I've stepped into a district superintendent role for Alliance Churches, which essentially means I'm traveling throughout the province of BC, providing support, encouragement, and, and at times leadership to the 82 churches that are spread throughout our, our beautiful province. I'm thoroughly enjoying meeting with pastors and board of elders and, and churches. And one of the things that I'm seeing increasingly is just how much culture continues to shift all around us. And so more than ever, I feel this deep-seated urgency to stand firm, to hold on to Christ and to the Scriptures. But at this time in history, what does it look like to stand firm and to bear witness to Jesus? As of late, there's been a particular verse that God just continues to bring to me over and over again. And it might strike you as a little bit odd, but it comes from Matthew 10, 16, where Jesus says to his disciples, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. In a culture that is increasingly intolerant of the Christian faith, Jesus invites his disciples to think shrewdly and to live innocently. We all know that in a secular state, and we live in a secular state, certain th truths cannot be proclaimed in the public square without reprisal. But these truths can be whispered subversively in living rooms. And knowing when to speak out loud and when to be quiet, when to stand fast and 
when to flee, all of these things are matters that require wisdom and discernment. And so if God brings me to your mind, I pray these days that you would be asking the Lord that he would give me wisdom and vision and strength as I lead in troubled times. Now for the matter at hand. Jeremy, over the past few months, I've had many opportunities to listen to you preach. Uh, Some of you may be seeing seeing me sneak in partway through a service if I'm preaching at a church somewhere in the lower mainland. Often I have just enough time to get here for the last worship song or two and, and get in for the message. And Jeremy, I've just enjoyed, so enjoyed listening to your preaching. And as I've listened to you preach, I've heard multiple references to characters taken from books or movies. A Muppet Christmas Carol. Chronicles of Narnia, The Lord of the Rings. I gave some thought to composing my address to you entirely of lines made up from Fozzie Bear, Reaper Cheap, and Gimli, because you've got the beard and the accent. Unfortunately, I'm not nearly that clever, and I suppose I'm actually not terribly deep either. I have to admit, Jeremy, there have been moments watching you preach that I have been irresistibly drawn to the wonder that is your beard. It is magnificent in every way. Is it just me, or is it like a campfire that just mesmerizes? It just sort of, just sort of draws you, just draws you in. One of the things I've loved about you, Jeremy, is getting to know your wonderful sense of humor. You don't take yourself too seriously. It's something that I've enjoyed in your, in your preaching, but also in our conversations. And so on this morning where we formally recognize Jeremy as the lead pastor here at North Shore Alliance, I want to speak a few words to you and to all of us that come from one of my favorite texts in John's gospel. And I'm going to have the words for you on the screen if you want to open your Bible or smartphone. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 3, verses 26 to 36. Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing. Because there was plenty of water and the people were coming and being baptized, John's disciples came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. For the one whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Now, if I'd come to church this morning with a backpack full of cash, and I gave you the choice between receiving one $100 bill from me or receiving a stack of $100 bills from me, which would you choose? 
If given the choice, would you prefer a smaller house or a larger house? If given the choice to fly economy or first class, which would you choose? More often than not, we want more, not less. We want more choices. We want more money, more time, more sleep, more vacation, more freedom, more influence, more success, more recognition. Why is it that we can be content with the life God has given us until we realize that someone else has more? We live in a culture of excess. Every day we are being told that we need more in order to be happy. More is good. More is better. How much is enough? Just a little bit more. Now, the irony is, of course, that we live in a time and in a place in in human history where we have more than almost any other people has had in the history of the world. And sadly, this more has not led to more satisfaction. We're perhaps more stressed out, jealous, and unsatisfied than previous generations. If more is so good, why are so many people miserable? When Jesus arrived on the scene, John's ministry influence was on a decline. It was diminishing. The crowds began to shift their attention from John to Jesus, and John's disciples began to experience anxiety. They went to John and said, everyone is going to him. But here's the thing. In John's diminishing influence, Jesus Jesus knew that the Father was at work. And in Jesus' growing influence, the Father too was at work. John's line here is absolutely classic. He says, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. In his ministry, John received what God had given him and no more. Similarly, Jesus received what the Father had given him and no less. So as John was making his way through life, trying to be true to the vocation that God had given to him, he never once attempted to make a name for himself. John reminds his disciples that this was always the goal, the point away from himself to the one the Father brought to rescue and save. Jeremy, you know this full well. At the center of the pastoral role is that impetus to point away from oneself to Jesus. In fact, this is the center of all Christian life and practice. In everything we do and say, we point away from ourselves to Christ. So rather than trying to draw people to himself, John experienced tremendous joy in seeing people aligned to Jesus. And John uses the illustration of a best man at a wedding. In Jewish tradition, the best man handled many of the wedding details, including bringing the bride to the groom. The best man knows that he's not the groom. He knows that the bride doesn't belong to him and that the wedding day isn't his day. The best man plays his role and then steps back as bride and groom take center stage. And so in doing what God called John to do, he experienced tremendous joy and satisfaction. He had a front row seat to see God's salvation work itself out through Jesus in the world. John's message then and now is countercultural. In the Western world, we are being told that identity is something that is plastic. It's something that we, 
mold and, sh- and shape to suit our own purposes. I am who I decide to be, so the narrative goes. Identity is something that I create. And notice that in this ideology, I is the central word. I want, I feel, I choose, I am. To be Christian is to be something radically other. In a biblical way of thinking, identity is not something that we create as much as it's something that we receive. John said, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. And so, Jeremy, my question for you is in this next season of pastoral ministry, what is it that you uniquely have received from heaven? What calling, what gifts, what limitations? What has God given you that remains his, but he intends to actively work itself out in this world, in this church? God has given to Jeremy a particular calling, particular strengths and gifts. And so his ministry doesn't need to be compared to anyone else's. And my encouragement to you, Jeremy, is be content and filled with joy in the field that God has given you. One of the things that I have come to enjoy and appreciate about Pastor Jeremy is his keen mind for theology and scripture and philosophy. He has uniquely equipped you to think well, to think Christianly. And this is a gift to you, of course, but it's a gift to us, to this people, and to this city. Jeremy, you have been crucified with Christ, and the self-created, self-directed you no longer lives, but Christ He lives in you. And the life you now live on the North Shore, in your family, in this church, you live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for you. Jesus must increase. And for all of us, that means we must decrease. Jeremy, I want to continue to encourage you to give Jesus full access to the the priorities and the pursuits of your life. All of us know that our experience of joy, our experience of joy and freedom comes when we find ourselves aligned with the the plans and purposes of God. When we're aligned with the plans and purposes of God, we, we experience joy. Joy in knowing that we're living out his purposes in the world and freedom to be ourselves without wanting to be someone else or to be somewhere else. The joy that God gives to all of us makes it possible to know someone who legitimately has been given more, more money, more time, more gifts or influence, but to still live free from a spirit of jealousy. One of the remarkable things about John the Baptist is that in him we see both less and more. We see less jealousy, pride, and competition. We see more joy, freedom, and peace. The joy that comes by being in alignment with Jesus. Jeremy, you've been called to this role of pastor, and my confidence is that whoever God calls, he always equips. And so may you know the love of God in ever-increasing ways. May you experience the provision of God for life and for godliness. 
May you hear the voice of God directing you and the leaders here at North Shore Alliance as you engage in this work of mission and discipleship. And may God strengthen you to preach the word in season and out of season, to correct, to rebuke, and to encourage with great patience and careful instruction. The one who has called you, the one who calls all of us, is faithful, and he will do this. Now, I've been speaking in some senses, pointedly to Jeremy. And now I just want to take a moment or two to direct a few words to you, the people of God here at North Shore Alliance. You all have a critical role in Jeremy's experience of, the pa- of pastoral ministry. There's not a single pastor who has ever lived, save Jesus, I suppose, There's no pastor who comes to a congregation that is already fully formed. Just like you, Jeremy's on a journey with Jesus towards transformation. And what that means is that he's going to grow. He is going to change. He's going to bring pleasure to you, and at times you may be disappointed with him. And my encouragement to you is to give him room to grow. Give him room to change his mind Give him freedom to lead. And may I ask for Jeremy and for Liesel and their family, create room in your heart for them. Welcome them in. Treat them as a friend. Treat them as those worthy of respect and honor. A pastor is called, no doubt, to love their congregation, but I have found that love works best when it's reciprocated. And so love them. Can I ask all of you to commit to regularly praying for Jeremy and Liesel and their family? Pray that they will find a physical place to call home. I know they're still looking. Join them as they anticipate the Lord's goodness. Pray for the Lord's protection over them as a family and over Jeremy as he continues to lead. And Jeremy, I, was, uh, I really enjoyed the first series you, you preached when you came here. Um, and it's just in my heart that, that we as a people would be praying for Jeremy and Liesel, that they too would be growing in faith, hope, and love. That this would be the experience of their lives. At this point, what I'd like to do is I'd like to invite Jeremy and Liesel to come and join me on stage. And I'd also like, to, if we have elders uh, from the board in our midst, please come on down if there's staff members who are here, please come up as well. And we're just going to pray a prayer of blessing and commissioning. And as they come down and find their place, can I invite everyone to stand, please, if you're able? Apparently, I'm praying. (laughs) I am. Lord, it is um, always uh, anxious, forming, uh, and exciting when we look towards change. And uh, it's nice to have been able to spend these last couple of months with Jeremy to be able to come here today 
and pray for his future, but know and be able to do that in the confidence that this is a man who is earnestly seeking after your will and purpose for his life and the life of this church. So we can look forward with anticipation and excitement and, uh, yeah, just with a, a desire to see what you want to do in this church through Jeremy and words and the knowledge and the wisdom that you've put into his heart. Lord, um, I have been blessed to be able to spend time with Jeremy and I thank you for what you've revealed to me of his heart. Mm. I thank you that you've brought him here to this place. And Lord, we know that this church doesn't stand entirely on Jeremy's shoulders in any way, shape or form, that he is just here to provide a, a pivot point, a, a pinnacle for leading this, this congregation. So I pray together, Lord, that we would come together as a family, as a unified church under Jeremy's leadership and ultimately under yours. We look forward to seeing what you have for this church. We look forward to discovering together with Jeremy where we're going to go next. We look forward to enjoying life with Jeremy and his family, Liesl and all the kids as they become part of this place. And we thank you, Lord, that we all get to be part of this family, that we are all included here. Lord, we trust in you. We wait upon you. And we are excited to see what you have for us. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that you are always good to your people. And so ultimately, we rest the full weight of our confidence that you are present to us and that you are the one who can supply every need we experience. Lord, the scripture talks about certain people being gifts to the community. Liesl and Jeremy and their family are a gift to this community. And so we thank you for them and we pray your provision. Supernaturally encourage, provide, direct, we ask. We pray, Holy Spirit, again and again and again that they might know the filling of your empowering presence. We pray that Liesl and Jeremy, uh, that their hearts would remain soft, Lord, to you, to this church, and to the North Shore community. We pray for new spiritual gifts. We pray for vision. And we pray for a communion between people and pastor that mutually enriches both. And so, Father, we now commission Jeremy in your name, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, praying these things in Jesus' name. Amen.